Talking Books on News Talk 106 to 108. I have to say that that it's it's a very very sad moment for us because many of us we don't see how to to change the situation. The Ajatsinapa case was for many of us like uh, a very very symbolic and uh, sad situation that that led us left us thinking that. Mexico will never change. And and I think that this thought is very dangerous because it's like if we are starting to surrender and uh, and now we have to resist and we have to to try to change the reality. But in this moment we are in the dark. Is writing a struggle against silence? And if so, what is its cultural impact? Hello, how are you? And you're very welcome to Talking Books. I'm Susan Cahill. It's great to have your company this evening. Well, on tonight's show, we're going to meet with two talented writers who took part at the ISLA, the Irish Spanish Latin American Literary Festival in Dublin last week. One is a Mexican, the other an Argentinian, novelists of considerable intellect, insight and charm. Guardian First Book Award nominee Juan Pablo Villabos brings me up to speed on the rise of Mexican narco-literature and Argentinian novelist Carlos Gamero talks the place of satire in Latin American literature. This is a show about gangs and guns, creativity and silences and the personal and historical legacy of war. But first, satire, history and the novel. Well, my name is Carlos Gamerro. I've written a, a series of, of novels, uh, most of them uh, not, not exclusively dealing with the, let's say, recent past in Argentina, the, the, the dictatorship and its aftermath. My first novel, uh, Las Islas, which was published in, in English as The Islands, deals with the Malvinas Falklands War and its effects on the country and on, on, especially on the, on, on the soldiers who went to the war, to the, the conscripts. Uh, I've also written a few books of essays on literary criticism, uh, a book, a sort of James Joyce reader, or, or let's say a book to help um, people read Ulysses uh, in Spanish, and uh, another book of essays that makes some connections between uh, the literature of Argentina and Ireland. So I'm very happy to be here. Thanks so much for your time, Carlos. Now that you bring up uh, James Joyce, I might throw a famous quote from Stephen in Ulysses back at you. History is a nightmare from which I'm trying to awake. Do you agree with that? Well, I think he's, he's, he's talking uh, definitely about the experience of countries like Ireland, maybe, and definitely Argentina, where history, just like nightmares, seems to... I mean, the, the, the terrible things seem to happen again and again. I mean, the awful thing about a nightmare is that when it gets too bad, you wake up. But you're never sure it has ended. I mean, the next... The following night you can have the same nightmare and again and again. And sometimes when, when history seems to take place in cycles and, and a, a, a country feels it's trapped in a cycle of poverty or the, in, in the difficulty to develop or violence, 
uh, I think you get this feeling. And one of the ways in which you can wake up, or let's say one of the places you can wake up to is fiction. Fiction is where you can definitely change things and maybe create a different future or, or, or an alternative past or a sort of a way out of, of this labyrinth of, of history. Carlos, do you think Argentina is coping with its recent past, certainly the trauma of its recent past, when I think about the dirty wars and the thousands of people who either were disappeared, murdered, are very violently assaulted through the military regime? Well, it's it's interesting to, to consider that very soon, uh, next year, we will be, uh, it will be the 40th anniversary of the, of the coup. So suddenly you say, how recent is that? I mean, 40 years is a long time, but still it's, it's very much with us. Some of the children, uh, the, the, the sons and daughters of, of, the, of the people who were murdered and disappeared, have not yet been found out. They were raised by, by, by fam- they were given to other families, they were raised without knowing who they were, and the, the, especially the grandmothers of Plaza de Mayo uh, are still uh, looking for their lost yeah. uh, grandchildren. And of course, time is running out because m- many of these yeah. uh, grandmothers are, are, are really an, a, a very aged now, but only very recently, last year, the president of, of the grandmothers found, finally, her missing um, grandchild. Now, uh, many things have happened uh, over these 40 years. Uh, at first, there was, uh, uh, with a return to democracy, there was an attempt to uh, know the truth. To the, the military, the good thing about the Malvinas-Falklands War is that the military couldn't put any kind of conditions on their retreat from power. They just mm. left. Mm. There was not, they they didn't have a single representative in the elections. There was no continuity. Mm -hmm. So immediately the trials began. Unfortunately, only the the, the leaders of the the military regime, the generals, were put on trial. And then the process was interrupted through pressure of the military, through a series of military uprisings, Mm -hmm. who basically wanted not to return to power, but just for the trials to stop. And, and this went on until the, 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 um, the end of the, of, this, of the 20th century, let's say. Mm-hmm. With, uh, with, in the beginning of, of the, the, the new century and with a, with a new government, uh, with President Nestor Kirchner, and then continued with, with our, the, our current president, uh, Cristina Kirchner, um, the um, human rights policy, which had been sort of kept alive by the human rights organization mm-hmm. against the governments, became the official policy. The government took it up. And this, I think, was... Some people criticized and and thought it it would be... It would turn human rights policy into official policy, and that was dangerous. But I think the results were good. The trials began again. All the pardons were revoked. The trials continued, not just with the generals, but with everybody in the the military scale. And even civilians who collaborated with the military Mm -hmm. government are now on trial. And this sort of it had also, a, a, I think, a good effect, a positive effect on, on literature, on the fiction, because when the, the justice is blocked and it's blocked by the state, it's somehow, when, well, the writers are called on to take this up and somehow tell the truth and, 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 and team together with the human rights organizations. But if justice is being carried out, writers are freer to pursue other channels, more, more, more I mean... There is a recent um, book, the, the Memoirs of a Montonero Princess. The Montoneros was mm-hmm. one of the leftist, the leftist Peronist guerrilla organizations, where she tells the story of how she recovered her brother, who had been, in a way, taken, taken away and raised by another family, 
But the, the, the I mean, her, her, it, it was a disaster. The, the, the brother, because he had been brought up in, in, in this completely different environment, was, was quite, quite hostile. They quarreled. He didn't want really to meet the, the, the members of, of, of this family. He, he hate, hated finding out his, his family were sort of Peronist guerrillas. And these are stories that maybe only fiction can tell. Do you think, though, fiction can get at the truth, Carlos, or certainly allow the reader to understand history in a better way? Do you think it can do that? And do you think that's the job of the writer to actually develop that type of dialogue? Well, it's, it, it, it is connected to what, what, I, what I was saying. If, if the media don't tell the truth, if historians don't tell the truth, then it's up to the, the writers of fiction to do it. Somehow it, it's the, the writers are the last resource. And we have seen a lot of it in, in the Middle East, in, um, in the Soviet bloc uh, in the past. But, um, of course, there are many different kinds of, of, of truths. And uh, somehow... When everybody does his, his bit, you know, and, and historians do their part and journalists do their part and they all are trying to tell the truth, then somehow the writers of fiction can, can tell other more sort of bizarre, weird kinds of truths or they can tell the truth through other completely different scenarios. Like there is another a novel, for example, that was written by, 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 uh, by Felix Brussoni, who is the son of disappeared parents. No, but in his novel... The character somehow doesn't want, he, he doesn't like this idea of, of being branded as the son of the disappeared. So he doesn't want to join any of the organizations. And then there is a story in his family that he had a brother who was kidnapped and, and, and brought up by another family. And somehow he gets into his mind that this, this brother is a transvestite, he's having an affair with. And suddenly there it's, it's this kind of truth where you realize that the, the growing up being the son of disappeared parents is so unbearable that you'd rather be anybody else. And this is a kind of truth that maybe a difficult truth that I don't think if it can be told by any other form except fiction or literature. Carlos, can I ask you about your most recent book, The Adventures of, of the Bust of Eva Peron? You have a very unusual storyline, but I suppose it's the only way you can actually poke at history in some way. Well, but there again, that's that's an, another way into it. When I'm working on, 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 on a novel project, usually they have to do with, with, with things that happened. Uh, I do a lot of research, part of, of going back to, to, to my own memories, because it's, it's, it's recent history. For me, it's basically the history I have lived through. And in this case, um, for example, it's, it's a story of the kidnapping of, of, a, of an Argentine businessman, a, a millionaire, by, by the Peronist uh, guerrillas in, in the 70s. And uh, because it is a political kidnapping, apart from the money, they want the... Um, one of their demands is that, that busts of Eva Perón, who was an icon of the Peronist left, should be placed in every office in this company, which is a sort of real estate um, kind of, of big, big uh, business firm. And you would say, what, what, what an imagination this writer has. Actually, I got that from history. In, in 1975, the, the, there was a, a, an important kidnapping by the, by the Montoneros, the, the Born brothers who were, I mean, had a, a huge company in, in, in Argentina. They were, they were kidnapped. Actually, it was, it was a world record. $60 million were paid for their release. And this is in 1975. But a, quite apart from that, the, the Montoneros, because they wanted to, to, to make the point that this was a political and not just an economic endeavor, they, they had this demand that busts of Eva Perón should be placed in, in all the 
sort of branches of this huge uh, business conglomerate. And immediately I read that and I said, I'm going to write a novel on this. I mean, this, this, this is my story. Not just the idea, but suddenly I could picture the, the, the board meeting, you know, with, with all the, the, the executives of this company. Okay, we've got to place these busts. What do they want? Plaster, cement, bronze, outdoors, indoors? Where, where do we buy them? And somebody is in charge. I mean, and the Marronet, the protagonist of, of my novel, is the, the man who has to buy those busts or, 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 I mean, get hold of them some, somewhere. And of course, it turns into a kind of, it's the story of a quest uh, and, and, a, and, a, and a picaresque story because everything goes wrong. Yeah. But what would you say to people who charge you with the fact that if you get a divisive but much revered character like Eva Perón and you poke a bit of fun at her, that you can't do that with sacred figures in history, that, you know, you just can't do that? Right. The problem is that, uh, I mean, you shouldn't have sacred figures in history. I mean, sacred figures are for religion. And um, I think that what history should do and what literature should try to do is to take them away from the sacred, from the realm of the sacred. I mean, otherwise you, you cannot discuss them. And poking fun at them is not necessarily being critical or saying that they were in any way wrong or negative. I, I have a great admiration for Eva Perón. My, my, the novel I wrote, uh, I mean, as a sort of sequel to, to this one, is uh, not yet translated into English. It's called A Yapi in Che Guevara's Column. And I do a, li a little bit the same with the figure of Che Guevara than what I did with Eva Perón. As a matter of fact, if you read Che Guevara, he was a great writer, he, he laughed at himself a lot. It's only those who have turned him into a kind of political religious icon who, who have solemnized him. Luckily, I mean, in, in, in the 70s, uh, there was this, this, this play by, by, by Coppi, who was an Argentine-French writer, and, and he also drew cartoons, which was called Eva Perón, mm -hmm. where Eva Perón was originally in France, per, uh, played by, by, by a man in drag. Mm -hmm. And the, 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 the Montoneros went all, all the way to Paris to burn the theater down. I don't remember if they actually did. Obviously, if I had written and published my novel, The Adventure of the Busts of Iberon, in, in the 70s, I would, have, I would have been burned, or at least my novel by everybody on, in the political spectrum, because Eva Peron is also an important figure in the, in the Peronist right. I don't so much contest the myths, but I kind of show what's what's mythical about them. Um, I remember in asking, especially people who are foreigners who are not from Argentina, in this novel, I have two other, let's say, um, creations, situations that, that have to do with Eva Perón. One is a brothel where, where all, the, all, all the, the ladies are dressed in, in different ways, like Eva Perón, no? and, and uh, many of the of the characters who go to the to the brothel actually are anti-peronists who somehow uh, go there to to do violence to Eva Perón in the in the shape of these whores. And then there is a, a city or or a neighborhood whose streets and and houses trace the profile of Eva Perón on 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 the ground. It's like a gigantic figure of Eva Perón, like the Nazca lines in Peru. You can only see from from above. It's a city in the shape of Eva Perón's figure. And I asked sort of. People, which one do you think I invented and which one do you think I took from reality? And many would say, no, probably the, the, the brother uh, you took from reality and, and the city in the shape of Eva Perón, you, you made it up. And I said, wrong. <laughs> it's, yeah. so, how, I mean, and so what I usually like doing is not so much contesting the myth with reality, with the truth, but taking up the myth, finding its logic and creating new myths, yeah. which is a way of, at the same time, denouncing the myth as a myth, but also celebrating its creativity and its imaginative quality. And myth is essentially story to make us understand our 
moral landscape really, isn't it, at the end of the day? Absolutely. I mean, and, and, and we are a myth-making species. Mm-hmm. I mean, we cannot live without them. But I think uh, what we can do is have this kind of double vision where at the same time you can enjoy a myth and you can sort of use it to understand reality but know that it is not the truth, that it is a myth. Carlos, can I ask you about your character, Felipe, in The Islands? He's a strange mix of good and bad, and he is coming to terms with his very grisly past. Well, um, Felipe, in, 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 I think he's, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a character who has, he's maybe got, has two defining characteristics. Uh, one is that he, he has gone to the, to the, Mal- to the war, mm. he has been in, in the Malvinas Falklands War as a conscript. Now the novel takes place 10 years after the war and it's very much about the effects of the war, especially on, on those who, who went there. In, in telling Felipe's story, I'm, I'm telling my own story, you could say in reverse or in the negative, because I am, I am the class of 62, class that went to the war, but I didn't go to the war. At that time and ever since, Again and again, I, 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 this, this thought come up to me, where, 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 what, what would, what would it, my life be like if I had been sent mm-hmm. to the war? I mean, somehow this fate that I managed to escape pursued me. And I think it's, it is one of the origins of fiction in, in daily life, not just fiction, it's not just in literature. We are always making stories of what my life would be like if mm-hmm. I had or I hadn't or this. So this is a part of it. Then he's also, uh, this was I, I, the novel, I wrote it in 92 and it takes place in 92. Uh, it was the beginnings of the cyber culture. Internet had not yet arrived to Argentina, but it was about to come. So I made Felipe a hacker. I thought it was an interesting way of, of combining the, the, his past past and, and, and writing also a novel about the present. And in the novel, he's a, a, a very sort of difficult relationship with his past and also with the present. He's hired by this millionaire, mm-hmm. Senor Tamerlan, to, to, to hack into the computers of the, of, the, of the police and the security forces to find out details about a crime uh, committed by the son of this, of this millionaire. But actually what, what the millionaire wants is, is for him to erase all the data, to find out who the witnesses were, apparently to give them money, to, 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 to have a payoff. But actually then Felipe realizes that he will have them murdered. So he tries to be a good guy, but he, he's, he gets involved in, in, in all these sort of complex uh, um, situations where it's not very difficult to tell who's, what, what's, who's good and who's bad. And then in order to be able to sort of hack into the computers of the military, he has to get in touch with his former commander from the war. And suddenly he, he, he had sort of blocked his memories of the war and suddenly he starts remembering and he remembers how this man, whom he now needs to, to befriend in order to access the computers, tortured his, his mates, his own, his own, uh, his own men. And then he discovers that the way to, to be in, in good terms with his commander is to, to create a video game in which Argentina will win the war and every single sort of battle or, or confrontation that Argentina lost in the video game, they will win. But when, while he's doing this, he, he, he starts retching and he starts vomiting because recreating the past in such a way where basically he's not doing fiction but creating this huge lie is is sort of intolerable. So um, he's a character who is not, let's say, uh, pure. He's, he's, he's not on, on, the, on the good side. But somehow you sympathize with him because he, he is trying to uh, sort of come to terms with what he's been through and what has been done to him. Do you think trauma can actually affect your moral compass, your judgment and your reasoning in certain situations? Do you think that one of the impacts of trauma is that? Yes, yes, um, definitely. And um, 
It depends a lot on, 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 on what group you focus on and what a conflict. A, for example, in the case of those who were in, 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 the, in, the, in the guerrillas in the left wing, some, in order to cope with what they have done, they, they, they have decided a, to, to create a sort of heroic myth of what they did and uh, they will not go back and critically revise their, their ideas or, or their methods. Others went to the other end of the spectrum and said, we, 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 we were completely wrong, what we did was terrible, and uh, they, they, you, you have some sort of repentance or public confession mm -hmm. that is closer to, to the religious than to the political. And maybe the, the hardest task if, is, is for those who have decided to very carefully pick, you might say, the grain from the chaff and mm -hmm. say, okay, well, some things we, 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 we would not do again, and there were mistakes, but others... Maybe, I mean, we, we, we still affirm that we were doing the right thing. And then, then of course, you have the, the terrible situation of, of those who were captured by the military and